0: What an awesome day God has given to us to worship him today. I think he deserves a big amen. 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 Uh, we're glad that you're here today. It is an exciting day for us. Today begins a new chapter in our church's life. Um, Terry McElvain is here to be our pastor uh, during a time when we search for our next full-time pastor. and we want to, I want to tell you a little bit about him. Uh, he is recently retired from the Kansas Nebraska uh, uh, Southern Baptist Convention as a director of youth ministries for the states those two states he also is the has been was the director of the Webster Conference Center in Salina and uh, he has been a chaplain or is a chaplain for the Lawrence uh, Civil Air Patrol Uh, and most importantly he is married and has been married for many years has three grown daughters and uh, something that's dear to my heart he has nine grandchildren. Um, he has served the Lord as an interim pastor for the last 30 years, nearly 30 years. Uh, most recently um, has been at Trinity Baptist Church over in Pittsburgh and that was the last of, of about 18 or so interim pastorates that he has done. We are glad that he is here. His name is Terry, uh, so not to be confused with me. Uh, You can call him Terry with hair and me without hair. (laughs) Or since he's been in the youth ministry for many years, he is affectionately known as T-Mac. So he likes to be called T-Mac. So please welcome, help me welcome T-Mac.
1: Thank you, Terry. Without hair, I appreciate that. And and uh, I'm glad to be here. I, I really, really am. Uh, how how exciting it was to, to worship our Lord together, and, and to just express our our love and gratitude to Him through through worshiping. Now, have you heard of yogiisms? Some of you are old enough you know what a yogiism is. Some of you are so young you have no idea what a yogiism is. But there was a, a baseball player since passed and his name was Yogi Berra and he was famous for his yogiisms because, and one of his favorites that he said that I want to key in off of this morning is he said, Before I speak, I want to say something. Uh, that's a yogiism. And uh, before I preach, I want to say something, all right? I want to say, you can call me Terry, or you can try to pronounce McElvain if you want to, but I really do prefer T-Mac. That's that's who I've been, and and the teenagers didn't give it to me, but a guy about uh, 10 years older than me gave it to me. One day, he was walking down the hall, and he said, hi, T-Mac, and it was one of those things that just stuck, and I thought, great, and I had a, a young man that I was working with once, and, and he got a lot excited. And we were at a football game, and he went to get one of his friends at that time. to say, I want, you to, I want to introduce you to T-Mac. He's my friend, and he's here at the game. And when he came up, and some of you will understand this, um, because you can go back far enough to know, um, when he walked up and his friend said, this is T-Mac, his friend countenance just dropped. He thought he was going to meet Toby Mac. (laughs) And he got stuck with me. (laughs) Well, I don't know whether you're expecting Toby Mac to be here today, but you got stuck with me, all right? But I'm excited about being here. I know why you're here this morning, you're here for two reasons. One, you want to find out, can he preach? You know, you're going to evaluate me. I know I'm under the gun, but I know the real reason you're here. Lunch is served right after worship is over, so we'll all go eat. That's, that's, that's why we're here, right? But I want to let you in on a secret. Um, you're here to find out if I can preach. I'm here to find out if you can listen. And hear what the Spirit of God says to you. I don't care whether you ever repeat a word I say. As long as you hear what the Spirit of God says to you. And you take that and you roll with it and you walk with it day by day. Now, as I get started with you, I'm going to preach a message that I have preached every church I've ever been interim at, but let me tell you why I do it. I don't do it lightly. I don't do it just because it's a one of those sugar sticks or something as they accuse preachers of sometimes having. But I remember my first interim, and, and I was scared to death, just like I'm scared to death now. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm an introvert by nature, and public speaking is never what I wanted to do, but it's what God called me to do, and when, when I'm I ask him never to let me stop being nervous because I know I have to depend upon him rather than myself. But I was terrified that first sermon I preached, where I was beginning to be this interim, and I preached the message I'm going to share with you all today. And when the service was over, there was an old guy sitting in the back, he had white hair. And I noticed him back there, and he just hung around, and I was greeting some folks, and he hung around and hung around. And finally, the church had kind of emptied, and he finally walked up to me, and he said, and I was young then, you know, and he said, young man, he said, where were you 40 years ago? Uh, That was kind of a strange question for me. (laughs) And I said, well, um, I was a thought in my parents' mind. That's that's where I was. (laughs) You know? And he said, I am a retired pastor. And what you shared today, I have never heard before. And I said, Excuse me? Are are you kidding me? And he said, no. He said, I would have given anything if I would have heard that message 40 years ago when I started in the pastorate. And God just whispered in my ear, he said, I'm going to give you more opportunities and I want you to share this message everywhere you go. He said, most folks have heard it. Most folks could stand up and share it. Most folks understand it. They haven't just heard it, they understand it. He said, but make sure you start every interim with this message. And I've got to be faithful to what God whispered in my heart and in my ear that day. So I want to share something with you that's very fundamental, very basic, very foundational to everything we're going to do during our interim time together. And I am your interim. I'm here to be your pastor. I'm not the guy who just preaches on Sunday morning. I'm going to be down here all day Sunday. I'm going to be here on Monday. Uh, I will be glad to visit with you and help you any way that I can. But I am the interim. I am the one that is the bridge builder to get you ready for your next pastor that's going to come. And I told the elders when they talked to me, I said, if you're asking somebody to come in order to just hold the fort until you get a pastor, then don't extend me the invitation. Folks, we're going to do God's work during this time of interim so that when you get your new pastor, he's going to have to have running shoes on to catch up with you and what God is doing with you right now really do believe that so i encourage you to get your bibles and i hope you'll bring it all time nothing pleases my heart more than hearing pages rustle when i say look at this passage of scripture and if you want to go ahead and put your finger in it i'm going to preach passage of scripture you know so well but i want us to turn and look at it matthew chapter 28 and we're going to pick up the very end of the book of Matthew on what's called the Great Commission, but as we get started on that, let me let me help you to understand this. This is the way that most of the world looks at the church. There's about three ways that they look at the church. Some of them look at the church and they just um, kind of accept it. They just kind of accept it. Okay, it's it's here. There's nothing we can do about it. They're here, so we'll just kind of accept it. We'll let them do their thing and we'll go ahead and do our thing, okay? There are then some people who uh, just tolerate it. It irritates them. They wish every church in America would shut down. (laughs) They don't want anything to do with it. They'll tell you they don't want anything to do with it, but they'll tolerate it. They'll say, if that's what you want to do, go ahead. Just leave me alone. Don't invite me. Don't ask me to do anything with you there is a group of folks and we're seeing it become stronger and stronger in this day and age that oppose the church and they're doing things to try to shut down the church now in saying that let me say this they're not trying to shut your doors as much as they're trying to shut you down because folks let me give you something very foundational, fundamental that again you all know it but you are the church not this building you are individual that knows Christ as Lord and Savior you've invited him into your life to be your Savior and your Lord you are the church I am the church we are the church and they oppose us because we represent our heavenly Father and he's made a difference in our life and they see a change in you and they don't like what they see because it reminds them of what they need in their life, a change. But let me tell you the way God looks at it. God said, I have established the church. God, He is the one who initiated it all. And then He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth in order to actually found it to begin to pull people together who come into relationship with Jesus Christ. He is their Lord. He is their Savior. And He has established then the church. He has founded it in the gatherings. And it is the Holy Spirit that empowers the church. If I'm able to share anything with you that helps you, it's because of what the Holy Spirit is doing in me and through me, and to God be all the glory. And the same with you. He empowers you. Folks, you're not in this powerlessly. You have the power of God in you, the Holy Spirit. And He's left us here for a reason. He's left us here because He wants to bring bring glory to God, because He wants the church to be a benefit to believers, and He wants the church... To be the salvation of sinners as they bridge that gap by introducing people to the same Jesus that they've met. That's why I want us to look at Matthew chapter 28 because if we're going to understand who we are, this is where we begin. And before I get into scripture, let me me tell you just a story that, that kind of, pulls this this whole concept together. In the year 2000, Billy Graham, who we just lost this year, just right before he turned 100, he was invited by a group of people in, in Asheville, North Carolina, in the area where he lives, and they wanted to just honor him. And he said, no, nah, he said, I don't want to come. I I don't, I don't want to be involved in that. He said, I, I just want to stay up here. Uh, and he, they said, no, please, Dr. Graham, we want, We don't want you to make a big speech or anything. We just want to honor you and say thank you for your life and ministry. And so um, he finally agreed to it. And so after this nice banquet, and a lot of people said a lot of nice words and everything about him, he then did stand up in order to say something to him. And um, he began to tell a story at that point. And he said, and it's a true story, that years and years ago, Dr. Einstein needed to go to do a lecture. And so he boarded the train in Princeton. And he got on that train to go to where he was speaking. And in those days, there most folks traveled by train. And there was a conductor in a train that would come through and he would punch your ticket. And so as he's coming down the aisle of each of the, the, the coaches' cars down through there, he was punching tickets, and he came to Dr. Einstein and said, uh, Dr. Einstein, I, I, I need your ticket, please. So he reached into his vest pocket for his ticket, and it wasn't there. So he reached into his coat pocket, and the ticket wasn't there. And he reached into his pants pocket, and it wasn't there, and he opened his briefcase, and he looked for his ticket, and it wasn't there. And he was frantic and finally, the conductor said, Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein, don't, don't, don't worry. He said, I, I know who you are, and I know you wouldn't have boarded this train without a ticket. Don't worry about it. I trust you. Enjoy your ride. And he went on down the train cars, punching tickets. And we got to the end of the car, he started to open the door to go to the next car. And as he turned around, though, to look back, he saw Dr. Einstein on his hands and his knees, underneath the seat of his train seat, and he's madly searching for something. And and the conductor goes running down the aisle, and he said, Dr. Einstein, don't worry about it. He said, I know who you are. And he got up, and he said, young man, he said, I know who I am too but I don't know where I'm going, and if I don't find that ticket, I don't know where to get off of this train. And folks, sometimes, like Billy Graham was sharing that story, said, I want you to know where you're going. I want you to be certain of where you're going. And he said, if you look at me, and that morning he had a brand new suit on and Billy Graham said I bought this suit for two reasons. He said one you kind and you invited me to speak here today to honor me. He said number two this is the suit I'll be buried in. And he said my wife told me I was getting sloppy in my old age and I needed a new suit so I bought this. So he said the next time you see this suit on me I want you to understand Don't look at the suit and say, Isn't that a nice suit? I want you to remember this. I know who I am. And I know where I'm going. And he's there right now. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to say to us in Matthew chapter 28. I want you to know where you're going. I want you to know where you are going. I want you to have a relationship with me. And I want you to know. So let's look at Matthew chapter 28. All of that to get us into this. But I think it was important that we move and understand what we're going to study here. Now, if you look at Matthew chapter chapter 28, verse 16 is where we're going to start. Now, the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's encouraging to me. It's okay to have doubts at times and say... I don't understand this. I'm not sure about this. But at least I'm going to worship and at least I'm going to be here and I'm going to try to let God show me and teach me what he's trying to say to me. And these disciples were honest at that point. Some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. What I want to share with you today are three things. First of all, this passage of Scripture talks about authority. What is our authority? And then this passage of Scripture talks to us about what our assignment is. And lastly, it talks to us about our assurance, the assurance that we have. So let's just unpack this. It's it's not profound, it's not complicated, but it is extremely foundational and important. First of all, who is our authority? What is our authority? And if you look at that in in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven is. And on earth has been given to me. First of all, our authority is Jesus Christ. And He is going to empower us through the power of the Holy Spirit, but you are not the authority. I am your interim pastor, I am not your authority. Jesus is the authority. Now, God has placed me here right now to be your interim pastor and to be a shepherd of the flock. But Christ is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Your interim pastor is not the head of the church. The Word of God says that Jesus is the head of the church of the body of Christ, and He has the authority. And when your new pastor comes, He won't be the head of your church. Jesus will still be the head of the church and it is his authority under which we operate. It's just like our president today will send ambassadors out and they go in the authority of the president of the United States of America. They aren't the authority. The president is the authority that sends them out. And Christ is our authority. I don't know about you, but I go whoo, glad, (laughs) I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that authority. And I can rest in the fact that he is the authority. And then whatever he tells me to do, and somebody says, you ought not be doing that, I'll say, well, take that up with my boss. And I mean that. And I, and I don't say that flippantly, but I do say, let's talk about it. Let's talk to the Father. If you think I'm wrong, let's you and I, let's, let's talk about it and see what the Father reveals to both of us. Because He is the authority. And I think that's exciting to us as the body of the Christ to know that we have an authority that cares about us and wants to move in. Flip back a few pages in Matthew to chapter 16. Matthew 16. You know the old story that you've heard it over and over again about Jesus coming into the area of Caesarea Philippi and people were saying, Who are you? Who, do you? who are you? And Jesus says, Well, who do you say that I am? And, and they talked about, Well, some say Elijah and some the prophet and on and on. <clears throat> but look what he says. And Simon Peter answered him and said, You are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus went on to say, Blessed are you, Simon bar for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church. <clears throat> Jesus said, I will build the church. Peter, you're not going to build the church. I'm going to work through you and use you, but I am the one that's going to build the church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But listen to this in verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we operate under his authority. He said, go and you do my business under my authority. Authority. So, what is that business? That's the assignment. And that's where we're back to Matthew chapter 28. And he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. It's been given to me. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So we have a threefold assignment we have a three-fold assignment. The first assignment is that we are to make disciples. When you look at that passage of Scripture, the imperative, it's an imperative, is not to go. The imperative, the command is, make disciples. And that's important for us to understand because so many people look at that passage of Scripture and say, well, Jesus told me to go, so I'll go. Well, yeah, he said go. But what he really said is make disciples. I have a friend that's already received his his crown in heaven. But I, I love the story that, that he told. Wendell Ballou, um, a long time working at the, the Home Mission Board in Atlanta, Georgia. And, and, and Wendell was just a, a Texas preacher. And he was preaching back, these are his words, he was preaching back in the hills of Kentucky in a, in what they call a revival meeting. And uh, one night while he was preaching, some hillbillies, literally hillbillies came out of the hollers of Kentucky in order to hear him preach. And so that night, as they finished preaching, he went to a uh, window went to the, the pastor of that church and said, I want to go back and visit those hillbillies out there in the hollers tomorrow and he said okay we'll go but he said it's a little scary back there but i'll take you and so he walked back there with with the pastor of the church and as they were walking back through the hollers all of a sudden they come up on this log cabin type shack and they see this guy who had been in the service that night before and he's just sitting there on on his porch rocking with his shotgun across his lap <laughs> uh, yeah that'll, that'll just warm the cockles of your heart real quick as you're going to visit somebody and so Wendell walked up to him and he said hey I just wanted to come out to your house and say thank you for coming to the church meeting last night and he said well he said I haven't been to many of those things but he said that was something else and he said well did you hear what I was preaching on last night and he was preaching on this text And the old hillbilly said, yeah, yeah, I heard what you said. And he said, well, what did you hear me say? And the old hillbilly began to scratch his chin. He said, well, he said, what I I think I heard you saying was, seeing as how I'm going anyway, I ought to tell somebody about Jesus. And Wendell said, I've never heard a better translation of the imperative to make disciples in my life. Since you're already in the marketplace at work, tell somebody about Jesus. Since you're already in the grade school and in middle school and in high school and in college, since you're already there, tell somebody about Jesus. Since you already live in that neighborhood where you live, whether it's a block square or whether it's a mile square because you live out in the country, since that's where you are, tell somebody about Jesus. Sin is how you're playing softball. Sin is how you're playing soccer. Sin is how you're playing disc golf. Sin is how you're golfing. Sin is how you're shopping. Sin is how you're buying groceries. Sin is how you're out there every day. Just start telling people about Jesus. First by the way you live, but then by telling them why you live that way, it's because of Jesus. And that's our assignment. Sin is how we're out there anyway. Tell somebody about Jesus. But he said the second part of our assignment is that we are then to baptize them. Once they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and we'll talk more about that in the days ahead, then our assignment is to make sure that they follow in obedience to be baptized. And I love what it says there. It says, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Why in the world does the scripture say the name, singular, and then give three names? I'll let you in on a secret right now. I won't make you do it today. But when I ask a question, I'll wait to get an answer. Well, I'm not going to make you do it today, but I'm warning you today from this point forward. And if you want to stay until 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'll wait until somebody says something. Even if you're wrong, say something. Say, I don't know. Well, you know, But let's let's communicate, okay? The Scripture is very, very emphatic about this. It's the name singular because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are three in one. And that's why we are to baptize in the name, singular, of the Godhead, which we sang about this morning, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, baptism is nothing more than an act of obedience, being obedient to Christ. He says, once you come into relationship with me, then you are to be baptized. And baptism is the the outward testimony of what has already happened inside your life and that you've died to your old way of life and you've been raised to walk a new way because of what Christ has done in your life and in that act of obedience you begin to witness to everybody who watches it and I don't know how many times I've baptized people and I watch people then begin to talk afterwards and, and it just creates conversation why did you do that? What's, what's going on? And it opens up an opportunity. You've already demonstrated with your life and then you can demonstrate with your verbiage. This is why I was baptized. But then the exciting part of the assignment we have is not only to, since how we're going anyway, make disciples, tell people about Jesus, baptize them in obedience, but then the third part of the assignment is then to teach them to obey. That's why we are together as a church on Sunday mornings is to worship and to teach one another and to grow up in Him. It's discipleship. And He says, teach them to obey. Does it say, and teaching them to know? No. My translation says, teaching them to observe. Does somebody have a different word? I am going to ask you a question. You want to go eat lunch? Has obey? Okay, good, good. Any other translations, verse, words there? Observe, obey. Okay. Well, obey is it? That's what the scripture is really saying. You know, I can listen to folks tell me all sorts of stuff, but if I never do anything with it, it's just head knowledge. And he says, your assignment is to teach them to obey. Parents, you understand what that means, don't you? You have children, and you want them to not be able to parrot back what you say. You want them to be able to live out what you say. And that's an important part of our assignment. So our assignment is to make disciples of all nations and to baptize them and then to teach them to live it out day by day. But I love the fact that Jesus didn't stop there. He said, you're operating under my authority, and I've given you an assignment. And and by the way, folks, it's not optional. It's an imperative. Go and do this. This is reality. But then he ends it with an assurance. I love this. What's he say? And lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. I remember memorizing it that way. My translation today says, I am with you always to the end of the age. You know, a lot of folks made jokes a long time ago about lo. I know God's with me when I'm walking, but if I'm flying, he's not. No, that's not true. He is with you always. But let's, let's look back in the scripture. Go back to Isaiah. Go back to Isaiah. I want you to understand... When Jesus said this, it wasn't the first time He said it, okay? This this was kind of reintroducing old thoughts. Because if you go back to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, we usually never read this passage of Scripture except Christmas time. But it's Christmas in June, okay? It's Christmas in June. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign... And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. His very name says what the assurance is. I am with you. And it wasn't just a name. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verse 14. 14 must be a good number. John chapter 1. The Gospel of John chapter 14, uh, chapter 1 verse 14. And it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. If you look at the meaning of that in, in the Greek that he dwelt among us, it literally means he pitched his tent. He came and he lived. He said, this is real. I I am real. You can touch me. You can feel me. You can hear me. I am with you. And then as he's ending the ministry and before his ascension into heaven, he eats it again in the Great Commission that we've already looked at. And he says, I promise you this, I'm still going to be with you because I'm going to send, and he tells us in the book of John, he's going to send the Holy Spirit to be with us. One just like him because he is of him as they are of the Father because they are the three in one. And he said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And then he wants to put a seal on it, and so he inspired his, his preacher, Paul, to say it one more time. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. But not verse 14 this time. We're going to go to verse 38. And Paul says this, For I am sure, I am sure. I love that. He didn't say, I think, I hope, let's pray. (laughs) He didn't say that. He said, I am sure. Sure of what? That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am with you. Folks, that's who we are as the church. That's who I want us to be As the church in independence in this surrounding county, I want us to operate every day in the authority, not our authority. And when you get nervous about it, just say, Man, I'm going in His authority to do the assignment He personally gave me. And I'll never walk alone because I am always accompanied by Him. Because in the power of the Holy Spirit, He is in me, giving me the power. Let's pray. Father, thank you that this is who you have called us to be. And this is our purpose as the church of God. And I am so excited about joining my my life with the lives of these and independents to be part of this process that's been going on since the very beginning. Even before the foundation of the world, you've been orchestrating all of this together that, that we can share this good news and help people be obedient to live it out and that you're always with us. Thank you for that exciting privilege. And I pray that today you will refresh our hearts and renew our spirits as we undertake your task to be your servants to do the work you've called us to do by your authority in partnership with you. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service, a time of response, I'm going to ask you all to stand. And I'm going to ask you to make an altar out of where you're standing. You're standing in honor of Jesus Christ. And the response today, maybe there's somebody here today and you say, man, this is the first time I've ever heard this and I don't know anything about this Jesus Christ, but all of a sudden I want to know about Him. The elders will be up here at the front and if you want to come talk to an elder, they'll be able to talk to you about how you can have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But I'm guessing most of you have that relationship, you know Him. And I'm going to ask you to just in your own heart just offer back a prayer to say thanks for the reminder, Father. And I agree. And I want to live in your authority to carry out the assignment you've given me individually and us corporately that we can do the thing that you've called us to do because you are always with us you never ever leave us alone and I pray that you will just pray that prayer right where you're standing right now just make an altar even before we sing just just make that a, a, a prayer of commitment nobody's going to hear you except him don't make that commitment if you're not willing to do it he'd rather you not make it than to make it falsely thank you Father Now, if we need to make some kind of a public decision, Father, the elders are here to help. And I pray that you'll just motivate us and move us to say, I need to know more about Jesus. I need to be part of a church that understands their assignment and their authority. And I want that assurance. So maybe they want to come, Father, and join the church. Or maybe they just want to make an altar up here and pray, whatever. May your will be done. As we sing, may you respond in Christ's name.